0: Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably been inundated with news and hot takes on generative AI, including ChatGPT. But what does it mean for retail and consumer goods? Well, there's a massive amount of potential and it's moving really quickly. So on this episode of Tech Transformation, I'm talking with Imtiaz Ahmed, Director of Performance Marketing for Nutrition at Rekit, about what it is, what the impact could be, and some of the really, really, really cool things in the future. Stay tuned for that and more on this episode of Tech Transformation. Welcome to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. I'm Lisa Johnson, the Editor-in-Chief of CGT. Now, in Tech Transformation, we talk about the trends and the technologies impacting the retail and consumer goods industries. And so I am, I think a little extra excited today because we're going to be talking about one of the most buzzed about trends in the industry and that's generative AI. So with me today is Imtiaz Ahmed, Director of Performance Marketing for Nutrition at Reckitt. Imtiaz, so welcome.
1: Hi Lisa, thank you for having me.
0: Oh, it, it's awesome having You're you so here. Welcome. Your kindness really gives me a charge. <laughs> Happy Monday!
1: Sorry, I forgot to turn <laughs> off Alexa. That's
0: right. I kind of <laughs> want to leave that in because we're going to be talking.
1: About we're talking it. about generative AI, and yes, Alexa we're talking about generative AI. <laughs> um, all
0: right.
1: wait, wait, I need so, to turn off this one as well. My bad. I've, I've got <laughs> Alexa in my glasses and one in my office so i need to i, I forgot to turn the buff. so this is this is perfect
0: this this is perfect uh i think we need to leave this in um so t- <laughs> all right so tell us a little bit tell us a little bit about yourself give us the 30 second background on yourself and what you do at racket
1: sure thing so um mt i've worked at racket for uh 14 and a half years across australia the uk netherlands and now the us uh, I started my career in sales. I moved in I've done things like shopper marketing, trade marketing, uh, as well as e-commerce. Uh, and then as I moved to the UK and global, uh, I was responsible for scaling up e-commerce across the organization. Um, and in my uh, last couple of roles, I've been focusing here in the US in our nutrition business, which means baby formula. Uh, and now I manage all the retail media networks. Uh, as well as consumer uh, activation and acquisition from a digital perspective uh, on uh, baby formula across the US.
0: Uh, So you're also an ambassador for the Mock Alliance. So um, I actually just met with them at NRF, super interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about them and how you got involved?
1: Sure, so uh, Mac, uh, it stands for microservice, API based, cloud native, SaaS and headless, which is a mouthful. Um, But basically, it means uh, to me that you know we're coming to a space where enterprise solutions for big companies don't necessarily make the most amount of sense anymore, um, especially when you have so much uh, change and innovation happening at significantly smaller scale. Um, as a big company or as a big organization, we can't get jealous of people who are much smaller than us that can do things much faster than us. So. Yeah. So, how you know my my point of view is uh, as a big company who's always uh, had a suite from one of the big players. uh, How do we kind of change that into having pieces that we like versus pieces that we don't like, um, and be flexible enough to deploy that globally? So, usually, you know, within a big company, you have a situation where uh, one platform needs to service everything. Um, but we're coming into a world now where consumer preferences are very different by region, very different by market, even very different by brand segment within one market, right? So how do you have uh, technology infrastructure that can actually enable people to move fast, enable people to solve consumer problems, rather than this is what we would use as a corporation, you must use this, otherwise you can't do your work properly and. I don't really care about what consumers think. This is how we're building our enterprise um, tech stack. So I'm not a fan of that. I am a fan of flexibility, but it still needs to work Uh, and it still needs to um, be compliant, be GDPR compliant, CCP compliant. All that stuff is great. But ultimately, it needs to be, be about solving that consumer problem and co- solving that consumer need, and then extracting the value from that. So Mac uh, really helps in terms of thinking that way and progressing, especially at the enterprise level, uh, mm-hmm. of how we choose technology that really, you know, is, is fit for purpose rather than fit for enterprise.
0: So can you talk a little, so what is it, what does your relationship with them look like? Like, how do you, how are you involved with them? Because you're an so ambassador, an, right, for for them? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So yeah. as an ambassador, um, my involvement is more so uh, talking about Mac, talking about um, rather than being enterprise software focused, uh, it's more about being um, focused on the, the deliverables. Um, but also, it's also to demonstrate that within my company and related companies around the world. So, when we are thinking about uh, choices that we're making from a technology point of view, it's being focused not solely on the big players that usually would always get first preference, but also considering the smaller players that, you know, kind of fit into this uh, ecosystem that we're trying to build going forward.
0: Okay. Thank you. And I feel like I should say like Mac Alliance had nothing to do with this episode or this question. It's just something I've been interested in Met with them at NRF. So I wanted to learn more about them. So thanks for coming on and and telling more about them. Um, But getting back a little bit more to you. So one thing I love is that you often post on LinkedIn about improving processes through technology. Um, You know, I love all you've been focusing or posting a bit about chat GPT, how you're using it to improve your content workflows. Um, Are you, you think you're kind of obsessed with efficiencies and using technology to find new ways to do things
1: i'm obsessed with finding value Um, whether that's finding value for our end consumer um, our customers um, whether that's you know through giving them additional services that we couldn't offer before um, or on the on the flip side i'm interested in productivity how do we do more with less Um, So, technology to me, ChatGPT, generative AI, all of this stuff is an enabler to solving a problem. And when you solve problems, you can make, there's an economic opportunity from solving a problem and you can uh, capitalize on that. So, I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with efficiency for efficiency's sake. I think all of this stuff helps us focus on the things that we as humans are good at um, rather than uh, being process orientated and letting the machines do what they're good at.
0: Okay. So can you, let's focus a little bit on chat GPT and, and generative AI. Would you mind kind of giving just a quick, if you were going to explain what it is for someone who's listening, they don't know what it is. What is generative AI?
1: Um, generative AI basically is artificial intelligence that is creating for, for right now is just creating text. Um, based on its input. So you write a question like, write me a um, blog post about uh, ChatGPT, which is what I did actually on my website, nts.com. I just, I got ChatGPT to write about itself on my <laughs> on my own website. Uh, it, you can give it prompts like that um, and it can generate text for you. Um, there's other forms of generative AI that are, um, that are creating images for you. Um, there's a really interesting... Uh, video generative platform called uh, Synthesia, which you uh, plug in uh, a script and using an avatar, uh, it generates video content for you um, using um, uh, one of the avatars that they have pre-built. Or you can record 15 minutes worth of your own avatar and they will create an avatar for you, which you could then plug in thousands of lines of script and it will generate that Um, as video content for yourself using your own avatar. So from a scale scale point of view, um, as long as you're happy with the quality of that and it's like okay enough purpose, uh, it's okay enough for you to use for a a specific purpose, which could be something like internal training programs, etc. You know, you could save a lot of time and effort rather than creating from or recording from scratch, which is very time intensive, labor intensive, cost intensive, etc. The other side of this and where I think it gets even more interesting is audio to video. So imagine this conversation that we're having right now. um, Instead of us recording on video, we would just record on audio and then that audio would be converted into video uh, based on the uh, audio conversation that we're having. So rather than
0: so I wouldn't uh, have had to put on makeup and it would have just probably maybe, maybe, are you, maybe we could
1: have glammed you up yeah. and glammed me up. Yeah, I was uh, going to say maybe a
0: little younger, maybe a
1: little- <laughs> <laughs> anything you want, Lisa, it's fine.
0: Yeah. yeah right. Um, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that's, uh, that's where we're moving. Um, and so I guess, so bigger. my question: do
0: you think this is transformative? Like obviously there it's, Or is it hype? I mean, it's a little bit of both at this point. Or do you think it's truly, like, this is truly transformative? This is, I mean, this is the future and we're just kind of, you know, maybe figuring out the kinks right now, but this is, this is the way it's going to be. Like, is it going to be as common as email?
1: This is going to be huge uh, versus something like metaverse, which I think um, the metaverse is coming. It is on its way. Um, I think the the metaverse and getting into the metaverse requires a lot more hardware and infrastructure and consumer adoption, Um, but generative AI and the applications of generative AI are already here. Um, It's just a matter of time uh, in terms of we're at the beginning of that new wave and it's just a matter of time before it takes off like crazy.
0: So, so I guess most important for our audience, right, this retail and consumer goods audience is how do you foresee this impacting those industries specifically? I mean, maybe not micro use cases, but like, where do you see this really having, making a big difference?
1: Um, specifically in this fields that I work in performance marketing, um, in terms of content generation specifically, um, now, instead of just creating one piece of content for one particular use case... We can use the AI to create thousands of versions um, in very, very quickly. Uh, And we can also uh, create that content in multiple languages as well. Um, One of the things that I'm particularly interested here in the U.S. market is um, the Spanish language, considering I work in baby formula and uh, one in three babies in, in the U.S. are of Hispanic heritage Um, or will be of Hispanic heritage. Um, We want to do way more things in Spanish. But to do that, uh, we would effectively be doubling our costs if we did everything from scratch. Um, But using AI, we can do all of this stuff and get to mass customization and personalization um, without having to double the team size and double all of the budget. The other piece where this gets really cool Uh, and gets me really excited is we're talking about Spanish. How do I get to the native dialect of Spanish for every single region or zone um, or DMA within the U.S. that I'm targeting? So I'm not just talking, you know, English and broad American or broad, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, New Jersey, uh, American <laughs> <English>. <laughs> It is different,
0: How do I get, yeah, to, it's, it's
1: a... <laughs> do I get to every single uh, cluster that I want to go after, the Midwest, New York, um, L.A., et cetera, and speak in that local language at scale um, and present my content in a way that really resonates with the audience? And, so it's truly really hyper, hyper to,
0: localized. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Get to that scale, and then the the flip side of this, or the you know the the process side of this, where we uh, still need to do some work, is from a compliance point of view, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, for every piece of content that we create, given we're a healthcare business, um, it has to go through a specific healthcare process, um, approval process before it gets published. But as we create more content, that creates more. Uh, um, it's more things to put through uh, the process, right? So there needs to be some, um, not I want to use the word flexibility, but there needs to be some uh, ways for us to manage that uh, throughput as well, uh, Mm -hmm. which I think is another opportunity for AI to kind of help us uh, score content based on, you know, legal implications or legal risks um, at scale as well.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I won't lie. I I put a story into one a story i had written into chat gpt i asked it to find some typos found some which is it's not surprising yeah. i have typos but it was uh it was pretty easy
1: um well, one thing i want to add here yeah. is like i got into like ai and all this artificial intelligence stuff about i would say 6 6 or 7 years ago and at that time when uh, applications of data science and machine learning was taking off everyone was like Blue-collar jobs are first to go when it comes to um, you know, or, or autonomous machines and autonomous software algorithms, et cetera. Um, and then that would be followed by uh, very mundane administrative tasks uh, that would happen. And then finally, the last bastion that uh, AI would take over would be um, creative jobs like writing and, and visuals, et cetera. That's funny. Is that the opposite is happening?
0: It's has um, been flipped
1: <laughs> completely.
0: Flipped. <laughs> so,
1: you know, we're just talking about generative video, um, and we're talking about generative um, image content and generative text. We didn't think this was going to be. F- I didn't think this was going to be first to go, uh, but it is. And the safest jobs right now are blue collar jobs, um, which you know I don't think autonomous machines um or any form of software is going to kind of fix anytime soon
0: not anytime soon no um so you know it's it is interesting um it's going definitely from i can say you know from the writing perspective and and our teams have been talking a lot about how we can use these tools um and you you can see some people getting nervous um but it does it makes you up your game when it comes to the creativity part if that's the part we're able to stand apart then that's Theoretically, it should also free us up for more for, from a writing perspective to be more creative. Um, but I, I, I'm never above a good gimmick, right? So <laughs> I did, I love a good gimmick. So I did ask ChatGPT to write some questions for this episode. Um, I shared them with you in advance, right? So I shared a couple. It wrote, it wrote um, about nine of them, and so we've picked out two, right? So I'm going to ask two, and uh, we can see, you know, just see how how interesting they are. So. And so the prompt was, so the prompt was, what questions should I ask a CPG performance marketing expert on our podcast? And so the first one that we're going to use is, how do you optimize your performance marketing campaigns for different platforms, such as social media, search engines, or marketplaces?
1: Um, It's really interesting answering. Uh, What I should have done, Lisa, is I should have taken that question and then put it into ChatGPT, go <laughs> for the cost, and send it back to you. So and then I could we could have it. made a
0: video and we could have just, you know, avoided this whole, this
1: whole, <laughs> whole <way>. thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so in terms of, you know, platform optimization um, and looking at within CPG uh, performance marketing, it's really thinking about where is that, where, what is that purpose of that specific media channel that we use? Um, what stage of journey would, uh, in my case, would the parent be on in terms of buying baby formula? And how do we leverage that? So, for example, uh, a channel that, you know, we didn't use, I want to say three or even five years ago, um, was TikTok. And mm-hmm. building awareness on uh, on TikTok right now, um, specifically for millennial parent is super critical. Um, And then looking at other platforms like search um, specifically when people are in uh, time to purchase baby formula would be kind of next. And so based on those marketing objectives or conversion objectives, uh, we design, create, we create content accordingly. Uh, So for TikTok, short form, 15 second, 30 second video um, that really engages in audience, builds uh, awareness of uh, the particular uh, brand credentials that we want to get across. And then when people are ready, we bring them across onto search or they they themselves are on search uh, and we pull them into uh, our website. We try and give them a sample uh, and then kind of start that journey there. So based on consumer research, uh, and based on you know consumer journey mapping, we're active on the platforms where uh, consumers are active.
0: Makes sense. Um, I I don't think ChatGPT would have been able to come up with such a thoughtful answer.
1: So, so. Thank, no, um, thank God. That otherwise, yeah, I wouldn't right. Really so up, yeah, you're no, safer.
0: <laughs> it's moving quite quickly. So I mean, when this this is going live in less than two weeks, so it could be a different story in, in two weeks from now. Um, Let's see. Okay. So second question. I will admit this one is kind of similar to one I had written. Um, but is can you talk about any future trends or advancements in performance marketing that you think will be important for CPG brands to pay attention to?
1: It it ties back to my previous answer of micro-segmentation and getting to to nuanced audiences and speaking in their own languages. Mm -hmm. Um, But in order for us to, or dialects, I should say, um, but in order for us to get there, uh, it is super critical to start with first-party data or zero-party data. Um, so focusing on building up um, your own brand database of your customer-consumer data and then connecting that to um, other platforms, whether that's uh, retailer platforms or ad tech platforms, etc., and managing those audiences based on... Uh, your conversion tactics that you want to use uh, is, you know, this is bread and butter performance marketing stuff, Mm -hmm. but what an AI enables on top is the processing of that at a magnitude that is just insane, right? Like Mm -hmm. I can't, if I ask a performance marketing manager to manage, you know, a hundred or so campaigns, that's fine, but I want them to manage a million campaigns. (laughs) Um, And I don't want to hire 100 performance marketing managers to do that. Um, And the AI just basically helps us create those micro segments and then manage the ones um, that need managing and kind of does all the ones that doesn't need managing and is just stock bread and butter. So we become very focused on managing the exceptions rather than simply managing the rules all the time.
0: Also good, good response. I think personalized (laughs) response, insight. (laughs) Um, Okay, so in the interest of remaining relevant and keeping my job, we're gonna close with one of my own questions. Um, So you are very involved in the startup scene, uh, including through the Startup Bus event. So can you tell us, name one startup um, that you're completely blown away by and why?
1: Um, Funnily enough, it's, it's um, it's a startup that was actually born through Startup Bus. Um, so the two two co-founders of Instacart, um, Brandon Leonardo um, and Max Mullen, actually met on Startup Bus. Um, I think it was like sorry,
0: or I, I should have. Could you do you mind giving it? Just telling us a little bit about Startup Bus and just um,
1: just sure a quick
0: backstory. So yeah,
1: Thanks. backstory. Startup Bus uh, is a startup hackathon that happens um, typically over three days, and you travel mm-hmm. from, uh, let's say. Um, from San Francisco to South by Southwest in Austin. Um, And then we had every year, there's about five or six buses in North America. It's a global competition. So I did it in Australia. You have three days. There's three types of people on the bus. There's a hacker, hipster, and a hustler. So a hacker is a a code person A hipster is a, a person that does design, UX, UI. And a hustler is a sales, business development, project manager type person. So you organically form teams. You, launch, you pitch an idea to the entire bus. We're all strangers. You organically form teams. And then over three days, build a business. Build uh, code, launch your code, uh, get paying customers, raise your own money, and then get to South by Southwest or any other startup competition and uh, pitch your business in front of investors to uh, get started. So, you know, the biggest example of what's been you know, kind of born out of startup buses, both uh, Brandon Leonardo and Max Mullen meeting, them, uh, meeting each other um, and, and founding Instacart. And for me personally, and, and, and my wife as well, we use Instacart so much here in the US. It's one of the reasons why we don't want to leave the US uh, because it's so convenient. Um, but it's solved such a big um, customer problem or customer need um, where you know you can get anything that you need within under under two hours um, and it's made life really really convenient um, and what's very cool about it as well is that it's a complementary service rather than yeah. a, um, a one that's built massive physical infrastructure so Um, The CEO, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, and seeing the CEO of uh, Instacart at ShopTalk earlier last year, uh, Fiji Simo. Um, And one of the amazing things that she said is that it took them over 100 million orders to get to profitability. Um, But since they've gotten to profitability now, um, the services and the speed in which that they are unlocking things for people like myself, a CPG professional doing performance advertising is incredible. And mm-hmm. the pace in which that they are developing stuff is, is really cool as well. So, you know, seeing something that I've been involved with for a very long time uh, and seeing it flourish uh, and seeing it grow um, and really, you know, being a customer of that service as well um, is very cool.
0: Yeah, that must be super gratifying. That sounds very yeah. cool. So MTS, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm looking forward to doing a follow-up where it's completely generated um, from, from start <laughs> to finish. So probably it will be, I don't know, maybe a month from now, we could probably get that going. So
1: yep.
0: <laughs> thanks so much.
1: It, Lisa, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me on the program.
0: Thanks for listening to Tech Transformation with CGT and RIS News. Be sure to subscribe to learn more innovative strategies and trends in the retail and consumer goods industries. And don't forget to visit RISnews.com and ConsumerGoods.com to sign up for our newsletters.